0: You're listening to another great podcast in the stoplight network tech fan number two fifty three I'm Tim Robertson, joined by David Cohen. Hello David hello so uh what a week, huh?
1: what a week
0: what a week, Christ, a week. actually, not a lot going on in the tech world.
1: well, it's, long it's, long it's, long
0: it's, well yeah it's well, the movies seem pretty cool captain America. Civil War came out. Have you had a chance to see it yet?
1: Uh, I was hoping to go and see it last weekend, but that didn't come off. It came out here a week earlier than you. Gotcha. So I am probably going to try and catch it tomorrow with with the boy.
0: Well, we could talk about it next week then. Yeah. And of course, we'll have spoilers.
1: Spoilers, spoilers.
0: I, I, I have seen it.
1: Uh, I believe it has Marvel superheroes in it.
0: It does. I heard Captain America might make an appearance. <laughs> yeah.
1: Now, uh, now I heard there was a new superhero called Civil War in it. Uh, maybe he's he's like a robot, like War Machine, only fights himself.
0: Um, well, it's, it's a it's a Civil War, so everyone's really nice.
1: Yeah, that's. I do believe I don't agree with what you say. Well, I'm terribly disappointed to hear that, but I do understand your point of view.
0: I said, good day, sir. (laughs)
1: Pistols (laughs) at dawn, is that what it is? (laughs) Uh,
0: Yeah, I look forward to discussing it with you next week. I've seen it.
1: I'm looking forward to seeing it. So uh, I am sure I'm not going to be as disappointed as I was with Batman versus Superman.
0: I can guarantee it.
1: Yeah. So, so uh,
0: there's this really interesting article, and it's going to be the focus of this episode on time.com. And, yeah. I, you know, I had a lot of fun kind of going through this. I don't know, always agree with everything that they chose, but uh, it's called the 50 Most Influential Gadgets of All Time. So, what I thought now we that- would do, David... Yeah is split this episode into two pieces, as we usually do. But the beginning of the show, we'll talk about, and we're not going to go through all 50, by the way. Uh, we'll talk about the bottom of the list, 50 through 25, basically, and then take a break, come back, and talk okay. about the other 25.
1: i um, turn that off.
0: Is that really your ringtone? It is, yeah. Good Lord.
1: Why is that? Why is that surprising?
0: It was like two different things going on. It was like a ringing. Oh, no, it the, was music.
1: Is, is, the reason for that is the music is my phone, and then my uh, Apple Watch then also rings, and that rings with that tweeting noise you heard. And I've you know I must I've never thought to try and change the ringtone the Apple Watch. So now you mention it, I'll have to think about that.
0: That wow, <laughs> you're popular in the office, aren't you? <laughs>
1: Um, Now you mention it. A couple of people have commented about my ring.
0: I can't figure out why everyone keeps wanting to move their uh, cubicle.
1: We don't have cubicles. We're British. We can't afford cubicles. We have um, hovels. Office hovels.
0: Well, I've seen the office, so I get it. (laughs) So let's, uh, let's start on this list, David. And we'll start with number 50, which... I don't even understand why this product even made this list.
1: Number, well, I've got a, I've, This kind of set the tone for for this list for me. It 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 kicked off my rage genes as I read it. And uh, of course, we know how these lists come about is because you've got type, you've got pages to fill. And so, um, rather than give somebody an assignment, what you do is you get a group of writers in a room and you thrash one of these lists out for an afternoon uh, and then you get somebody to write it up. Um, And then
0: shows like ours spend an entire hour talking about their insipid list.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. How the media works. Yeah. So, yeah, number 50. Bearing in mind the title this is The Most Influential Gadgets of All. Time,
0: yeah. I don't think they understand what influential actually means.
1: I don't think they understand what all time is, bearing in mind that e- even the fact that time is in the name of the uh, of the uh, publication. So, that number 50 is Google Glass. Yeah, I, I just saw Tumbleweed roll in front of me. Uh, I, Google
0: Glass <laughs> wouldn't even make my top 200,
1: no, because it for a it never came out properly,
0: no, it was always a beta.
1: Yeah, and and secondly, inf- influential implies it changed something. I, I don't. I, the only thing Google Glass really changed was people realized that doing um, or any sort of head-mounted computer in the way Google Glass did it is a really bad idea.
0: Yeah, it was influential in that it allowed it, it popularized tech shaming. Yeah. Finger pointing. Yeah. Ha ha. Yeah, it, nerdery.
1: It basically, if you could take the meanest bits of the Big Bang Theory and distill them into a gadget, and then stick it on somebody's face so that everybody could see it, you would get Google Glass.
0: It was the earliest early twenty first century version of the pocket protector, except it wasn't useful.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I've got to be honest. For something that actually wasn't that wasn't launched, the fact that uh, people who were wearing it were told to take it off everywhere they went um, is something. But whether that's influential in terms of as a gadget, in my mind, I guess it depends on your scope, but in my mind, an influential gadget is something that, for a start, people find useful. I don't think even the people who bought into Google Plus found it useful. The only thing it was useful for was emptying money out of their wallets to Google.
0: Number 49, and I said we're not going to go through all of them, but I'm kind of hitting the highlight parts that I think would make for the best conversation, is the uh, MakerBot Replicator. Now, you know, these 3D printers have always kind of interested me in some respects. And, you know, I was doing a lot of trade shows, so I would see these things all over the place. And it wasn't always the uh, MakerBot, but, you know, I would see 3D printers often. And really, the big thing about this one was it was less than two thousand dollars. But I still don't know anybody who actually owns a three D printer. Do you?
1: No. And and what's interesting here is um, the copy says the firm's equipment helped bring three D printing into the mainstream and is a fixture of many American classrooms. Well, there's lots of things that you appear in, that appear in classrooms that aren't really particularly influential. They're just they just reflect a fad. Of um, IT departments in schools and, and in school districts buying particular bits of kit, particularly if they're being offered at a substantial discount. Um, and I, I, I agree with you. I don't think three D printing has yet hit the mainstream. Um, it's still. Uh, kind of a, a nerdy thing it's a it's a it's a techie thing it's one of those things where if you want to do it you have to figure out how to make these things work reliably you have to figure out the software and the 3d files and the open source bits and pieces to to get them all working it's still it's not even a hobbyist no hobby at the moment 3d printing it's it's even before that it's it's the very definition of the best and the worst of what open source does mixed in with hardware and it's um you know it it for 3D printing to be the mainstream you need to get a company a a big consumer company to take a product that's under $500 commoditize it push it out to the market and really get people who aren't interested in technology to buy it and that's when 3D printing will be mainstream so I don't think it's there yet and consequently I don't think 3D printing is particularly influential at the moment because I don't think uh, the the muggles use it.
0: I I totally agree and I also think that the problem with 3d printing and i think this is a huge problem is most people even if it was 200 bucks okay and the software <coughs> excuse me was very easy to use what are you going to use a 3d printer for that i think that's the that's the hurdle that they can't overcome in an average household what do you need a 3d printer for to, to make little bits of plastic yeah. I mean, you you can't replace a doorknob or a, a lock or really anything. Um,
1: well, that's, that's the issue with it. I think this is why <sighs> it's still limited. I mean, I think the software the software has to be so... you're Basically, you have to get a smartphone app that can take anything and turn it into a 3D print. You then need to have the hardware, and it doesn't need to be at home. I mean, you could have print shops that have sure. all the hardware, um, but it needs to be more than just bits of, of thermoplastic. It needs to be metal it needs to be glass it needs to be things that have been glued together so you can exactly do what you're talking about which is instead of having to go down to the hardware store and replace a whole doorknob or a whole lock because part of it's broken or um you know the back to your TV remote, all these little jobs we have around the house where it's <coughs> annoying because we have to go back to the manufacturers when he breaks. We will be able to go and fix it ourselves, and and then perhaps not even have to go out and buy products in the future, but just go and have them printed up. But the point is, is at the moment the level, the the gap between an average person or even a I mean, look, I'm obviously I'm a I'm on this show, I'm a gadget fan, but I would be daunted by going to try and get anything done. In the three D printing realm, even without going and buying a printer myself right now, and that that means that you know if you've got to be a complete expert on on the <coughs> subject in order to make best use of it, then well, it's, then it's too far behind.
0: It's too it's sub two thousand dollars. Oh, great! But you know, like I said, I've I've seen these at trade shows all the time, and they always have the same demo. They've made some keychains. They've made a dinosaur skull, and it looks pretty cool, but it's like, well, what the hell would I use that for? How do how does this help at all in a school environment? What? Yeah. what I don't get it. As far as I'm saying, oh, it's in many American classrooms. No, it's not. They're just not. Or yeah. if they are, they're gathering dust.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. And the other problem I think is that to print anything on one of these things takes hours. Yes. <laughs> so even there's, if there's to, no
0: immediate gratification it's, it's, at all.
1: You've got to spend 20 30 hours just printing it before you've got your end result and um yeah it's 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 a neat idea but I think it's it's immature at the moment, really immature.
0: I totally agree. Uh number 48 is the Segway. You know David, I honestly thought the Segway would be bigger, much bigger than it became. I thought you'd start seeing these kind of things all over the place or if not the Segway brand, personal transportation devices. But I I, I thought within 15, 20 years, it would be, it would replace the, the, the moped. It would, you know, at golf courses, that's what people would use. And, and they really didn't, they, they, all they've really done is a couple police departments around bigger cities use them. Uh, they have these things for tours and touristy places, And guess what? That's about it. Nobody I know uses a Segway. Even when I was in big cities, I would hardly, if ever, see a Segway. So I I think it was a great concept, but kind of like a 3D printer. It's a solution looking for a problem because the Segway didn't, they didn't have the range. It didn't help you with exercise and, and people want to get exercise. They ride a bike. Where where does it you if you're writing a segue? It's not like you can go to the grocery store in the stupid thing. You can't drive on the sidewalk. You can't really drive on the street.
1: Yeah, that's the issue with it, really. And the problem with the Segway in particular, I mean, the one they have here is the the original one. Um, If you don't have the one with the big fat tires, it can't even go up and down curbs properly. If you do fall off it, and it is possible to fall off it, then um, it's actually very big, very heavy, and can be a little bit dangerous. I mean, here in the UK, you're not even allowed to use them. They are not licensed for use on either the the public roads or on the pavement. So um, unless you're on private land, you can't use them at all. Uh, and the other thing is, they're really, really, really expensive, yeah. and um, they consequently, it, it's basically if you if you imagine if you imagine a Tesla, but instead of being fifty thousand dollars a start, it started at two hundred thousand dollars, and it never got any cheaper. It would always be an expensive niche product, and effectively, unfortunately, the Segway has remained like that. And and of course, we now see the, the emergence of the Hoverboard. Which shows that you can do that sort of technology a lot cheaper, yep. um, and those have been considerably more successful. Um, well, I would argue. I, I'd be interested to, to to see what the sales figures are like, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind betting <laughs> that hoverboard sales in general have have probably equaled the you know the many years selling of the Segway.
0: Well, it was. Uh, it says right here in the article that unit sales never exceeded the six figure mark. Uh, And it was purchased by a Chinese company in
1: 2015. Right. And it's... It's it's
0: disappeared. Uh, Number... Jumping ahead a little bit. Number 46 is the DJI Phantom. Now, this is a drone. And this was kind of the the big one that really introduced the idea of, of hooking up a camera. And, you know... I think drones have had a big impact on life in the last few years. You hear about them all the time now. Um, They're still not easy to control and fly. Uh, They bring a whole slew of new problems from privacy concerns to terrorist problems. Um, and, And they're still not cheap. But you could see where small drones... Really, could have a big impact on life. I mean, Amazon was talking about doing deliveries with the stupid things.
1: Yeah, Uh, this this is versus what some of the things we've already talked about. This is one of the areas where something that was very expensive and very technically difficult to start with has become commoditized and cheaper. Yep. With this small amount of money, can go out and buy a drone that can do as good a job as the original DJI phantom did you know you can get one now for well under a hundred dollars that that will that will effectively you know with a, with a smartphone style camera take pictures as good as the original one did now of course the, the the latest one has got much better cameras on is fully robot controlled um and really can do some amazing things and and that has obviously revolutionized the media industry in that Stuff they used to do with helicopters, um, the sorts of shots you see, particularly on TV now, are often, very often done with drones. Um, and, and yeah, the prices are coming down all the time. Yes, that's bringing a whole load of, of problems with them as well um, that society needs to figure out. But certainly, this is the first on this list where I'm looking at. I'm thinking, yes, that is an influential piece of technology that has had a massive impact on the world and you can see what can you know it's more than just a fad you can see that it's not just a toy that's going to disappear but actually you're going to see these things used more and more for lots of different things
0: next up on our list at number 45 over 8 million have been sold they don't cost more than 35 bucks bare bones it's the raspberry pi i think this is a, a massively influential little tiny computer that I don't even think it's even hit the mainstream yet, to be honest, David. It's still a hobbyist thing, but what you can do with this, we're only scratching the surface, and I don't mean just the Raspberry Pi as a product. I mean that category of very small computer on a single board with multiple functions, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, that sort of thing, high-def video output for a very inexpensive price, that's a... It's a game changer that hasn't even come into the mainstream yet.
1: I I completely agree with you. And, and, yes, I mean, I think you made the essential point there. One of the issues I have with this list is it used specific products rather than product categories. And I would say exactly these effectively computers on a circuit board for very, very cheap prices. This is the future of computing. This is basically the innards of a smartphone without yeah. a lot of the issues on it. Obviously not as powerful. Um, taken out, produced for a very cheap price, um, with a lot of expandability. This is the Apple II of the modern world, this is. This is something that anybody with an interest can pick up for very little money, can sit down with the sort of stuff they will <coughs> have around their or if they don't have – even if they can't afford to have them in the home, they can take them to a school or something like that and very cheaply get a full a full working computer that's thousands of times more powerful than what we had in the 80s and the 90s. Um, and, and we are you, just scratching
0: can, the surface.
1: Yeah, and, and, and not only that, this can interface the hardware. It can control all sorts of things. It's very easily programmable. You're not constrained by it in pretty much any way. The the sky's the limit, and and of course the success of the Raspberry Pi means that there's been 15 or 20 different other types of all the different Arduino boards. There's the um, Intel's working on one of these. I mean, they've even got one in British schools now called the uh, Microbit, that's basically been designed to uh, encourage computer programming in schools. This has become a whole big category, Uh, and. Unlike many things in tech where there are expensive gadgets that only the very rich can afford, you know, you could put these in the hands for very little money. Well, you could put these hands of anybody on the planet and allow them to realize the potential of computing technology. And to me, I find that incredibly exciting that, you know, there are millions of people probably in the third world who could never afford to buy a full laptop. Uh, and everything that goes with it, and to keep it working out, where where you could afford to give people this and give them the opportunity to actually do something with it. I saw
0: a really cool, something that I I would love to have myself, this guy, and I guess there's a whole culture surrounding these particular device, he took a Raspberry Pi, a two-way mirror, a small projector, and he programmed it so it's a mirror, but if you touch the mirror, which let's not even start talking about smudges and all that. But you touch the mirror; it's a music player. It shows you yeah. the weather. It has widgets. You could you could summon uh, an Uber from it. Imagine that in every hotel room.
1: Oh, absolutely! And you know what? I saw that same thing. Now that guy, he really went to town on it because he a touch to it. But actually, if you pick up a cheap. Um, uh, for less than less than fifty dollars, you can pick up a a cheap small monitor for the Raspberry Pi, and you can um, you can then mount that behind a piece of mirror glass, and the the, the display will come through. Yep. It, uh, I talked I, I in fact I discussed it with my son because I think we might build one of these so that he can when he's um, in his bathroom in the morning he loves his YouTube videos so he can watch his YouTube videos while he's doing stuff like brushing his teeth and everything mm-hmm. um, because. You know, he would really enjoy that, and I think it would be a fun project for us to do.
0: Well, just imagine a really inexpensive LCD monitor. I mean, just a tiny one that you can mount behind a, a piece of glass that would just tell you the temperature. Yeah. I mean, something as simple as that. Do you need that? No, but I'm talking about projects that people could use inexpensively to create cool stuff in your house. I I. I I'd really like to build one of these mirror things. I, I really would. Because you could pick up a, a cheap LCD monitor for less than 50 bucks online. Yeah. A mirror is not costing much. Build a little shadow box around it with a Raspberry Pi inside. So it's That's Bluetooth. Fun. I mean, it, it would be awesome. It would be really yeah. cool. Uh, number 44, I don't even want to discuss it. It's it's the Nest. The Nest thermostat. It's... not no yeah. no not if you know in, you know
1: internet of yeah. things is, is is really is what it's what this yep. this item should be um it is increasingly coming... And we've had feedback on this before. Increasingly comes across to me as just the latest tech fad. Yep. This is, you know, virtual reality from the early 90s is, is what the Internet of Things is. Because, you know, you talked before about the Segway. The Internet of Things is a solution looking for a problem. Yeah, absolutely. Nobody needs to do any of these things. Yeah, nobody... They. They... they marginally improve for an awful lot of money, things that we've all been doing for many, many years without any great issue at all.
0: Number 41, uh, the Roku. Now this is, yeah, kind of like an Apple TV, kind of like uh, I, to me, this is a, a perfect example of something that came out. I don't I don't know if the Roku was the first one, though, was it? I mean, it came out uh, in 2010. At that point, we already had the Apple TV.
1: Yeah, uh,
0: but this thing was, you know, less than forty bucks.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I this, again, I, I kind of take issue with the fact that they've chosen the Roku as being the as being the the influential gadget here. I think I think really the smart TV, the ability to take services like Netflix, the BBC iPlayer, and uh, things like that, and run them on a the TV is the is the influential thing, and that certainly has the rise of hulu and netflix and things like that is 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 the influencer because all of a sudden now people have come to the conclusion it started with the dvr but dvrs were always a little bit uh, tech yeah whereas uh, the com- the concept behind <laughs> streaming on demand for uh, catch up tv catch up or uh, just watching your movies and everything it just kind of works and that and all of a sudden now people have just you know live TV is is very much for many people the minority, uh, and again, you talk about stuff going to the mainstream I, I talk to people all the time who are not technical people, and they talk very comfortably about watching it on iPlayer, watching something on Netflix. Um, the you know and the, the ability to to build that into TVs either with a Roku box or, or now now it tends to come as standard in most modern TVs and for me is the real influencer here. It's you know finally it's shown that cord cutting is something that's real and you and people want.
0: Number forty is the Sony Discman D fifty. Now this came out in nineteen eighty four. It was the first time and look, compact disc it had only been around for like a year at this point, but yet yeah. Sony came out with a portable CD player which sounds like a great idea, but I remember somebody who had one of these, David, and you couldn't take three stops without the stupid CD skipping because it was horrible. Now I understand this was very influential, but what a piece of junk product. Yeah, it was portable (laughs) in that you can move it from one flat surface to another and use it. But if you try to walk anywhere with it, skip, 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 skip.
1: So if you look at, it's interesting that if you look at what CDs do, which is they take a physical medium and they they encode on that a digital file, and then the CD player is, uses a laser to read that back. And then you look at how they solve the skipping problem, which is I remember they used to market yep. portable CDs with the with the amount of buffer they had in them. Yep. And all the buffer is is a temporary piece of flash memory yep. that reads ahead on the CD and then it plays you out plays you out of the memory, which of course is what an iPod is.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> I mean.
1: It cuts out the middleman and just stores it, everything in a memory. But think about um, this: this
0: was 1984. You know the idea of digital. Remember when? See, you and I are of an age when we remember when the CD was introduced, and there was no question in our in our minds then that digital music sounded so much better. It was better. It was perfect. There was no there was no tape hiss. There was no record player pop. I mean, it was perfect every single time you listened to it, and it didn't wear out. It was yeah. it was awesome. So I would say this is definitely a very influential product.
1: But I think the C D itself was the influential product. The the disc man itself less so. But I,
0: but I think- the C D <laughs> isn't a gadget. And remember this is gadgets.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, the C D was a medium. I, 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 Number thirty
1: uh, nine?
0: Yeah, I suppose um, Oculus. Oculus ref. your your <laughs> Skype is going a little bonkers on us. Sorry about that. Yeah, well, it happened. Mm, we'll see. We'll keep going. <clears throat> Oculus Rift. Um, look, we're, we're in not even beginning days of VR, David. I mean, you, you can't even take one home yet. I mean, that's how early days it is. So I'll just leave that one there. I, I think it's influential, but we don't know to what extent yet. Uh, I don't know why they put the Apple iBook on here. I, it, no, it makes, I
1: don't either.
0: No, your, your Skype is gone. It sounds like your internet connection. I, okay. So we'll take our break now. We'll let David fix that. We'll come back, uh, talk about our sponsor, talk about some feedback, and then we'll get back to our list. We'll be right back.
1: I'm Bart Pushatz, host of the Let's Talk Apple podcast. Every month I gather together a panel of Apple followers and we digest the month's Apple news. Our aim is to step back and take a 40,000 foot view of all things Apple. We're the perfect complement to the many great daily news shows out there. Listen and subscribe at www.letstalk.ie.
0: Back here on Tech Fan Podcast number 253, I'm Tim Robertson. He's David Cohen. And we want to thank and talk about our sponsor for a minute. It is MacSales.com. David, you know, sometimes it doesn't make sense to go out and buy a brand new computer. It really oh. doesn't.
1: A lot of times. Who has the money nowadays? They're expensive.
0: You know, and especially if it's a second computer that you're going to take on the road with you, why spend almost a couple grand for a brand new MacBook Air that you're just going to stick in a bag and take to hotels and, you know, potentially get it beat up a little bit <coughs> problem, me pro-
1: problem is you you know with with laptops like that, you're dealing with depreciation just in the same way you are with a new car. you're spending a lot of money on it, and as soon as you start using it, it's losing money
0: yeah, absolutely, and let's be honest a uh, uh, a MacBook air that's i don't know four years old is perfectly capable of doing pretty much anything that you want while you're on the road. You can stream movies, you can check your email, browse the internet. Plus, a MacBook Air is going to be nice and light. You can carry it with you, no problem. At OWC at MacSales.com, uh, they have right now a 13-inch MacBook Air. Um, it's an i5, 1.7 gigahertz with Thunderbolt and USB 3 for 459 and uh, free sure. shipping. that's free shipping in the continental U.S. So if you're looking for a really good laptop that has a two-week money-back guarantee, 100% money-back guarantee, so no restocking fee or any of that junk. Um, Fully tested, comes with a warranty, and like I said, free shipping in the United States, and you get detailed pictures and description of each Mac that you're thinking about buying. Check out MacSales.com, $459. That's that's a really good price.
1: I had no no idea it was so reasonable. I'm, I'm now thinking, hmm... I'm out for Mac stock in July. I could get one of those while I'm there.
0: You could. And here's the thing. You don't know what you're going to get when you get get something or try to get something off of eBay. Uh, David had massive problems trying to. Oh, I did. You know, so if you want a relatively newer computer and you want a warranty, you want a guarantee and you want good shipping pricing. MaxSales.com and we really want to thank them a lot for sponsoring this episode of TechFan. i couldn't be happier david me too so let's uh encourage the listeners out there and by the way if you're interested in that particular machine there will be a link to it in the show notes um, at techfanpodcast.com and uh, you can click that link and go directly to the machine that i am talking about but they've got Use Macs from, you know, the entire line. IMAX, Power Max, Mac Minis, MacBook Airs, MacBook Pros, you name it, they've got it. <coughs> As you could tell, David, <clears throat> yep, I still have that cold. Uh-huh. Over two weeks now. Yay. Gotta love the gems. Still still super congested and just ugh. Not fun. Uh, but what is fun is when we get feedback from you, the listener. It's real easy to do. You can send us email, the show at com, or simply go to one of the three sites that we post this show dot stoplightnetwork.com, and of course, the granddaddy of them all, mymac.com. If you leave a message or comment in any of those places, we'll read it here on the show. And we've got uh, a couple to go over here, David we have Uh, the first one is from uh, Alyssa Paselli and uh, look I I love it when we get feedback and Alyssa is uh, one of the hosts of Three Geeky Ladies and she also does some uh, stuff at MyMac.com
1: yeah so she says "Um, I agree that appliances aren't made like they used to be after we bought our house we bought an over the stove microwave that lasted 20 years the replacement only lived for 5 years I now buy extended warranties with each appliance. I never used to like extended warranties, but these are paid for themselves time and time again. Once a year, a technician comes out to do a well visit on our fridge, washer, stove, microwave, and dishwasher. He replaces parts as needed and makes sure everything is in good working order. However, as part of the warranty coverage, if anything goes wrong during the year and it has a tech and it has, a technician comes out and fixes replace parts free of charge. Buying the coverage is cheaper than buying a new appliance every three to five years. Wow yeah.
0: But Absolutely. I, I would I, love to know now, Alyssa. Please email us back, and we'll and we'll uh, do a follow up on the next episode. Now, when you yeah. buy this extended warranty, is it through a certain store? Is it a third party that you're buying it through? I know it's not the manufacturer because yeah. I, I I don't know any manufacturer that offers any kind of service like that. Even yeah. the high end appliances don't. So no, let us know because I'm very curious about this.
1: My advice would be there's, there's been uh, a lot of research here in the UK because when you buy an appliance here in the UK, a lot of the big electrical stores will always try and offer you an extended warranty. And uh, you know a lot of research has indicated that, that those are sold at a very big markup and buying them on an individual basis per appliance from the store who's selling the appliance is not going to be good value for you. They're, they're going to have weak coverage, uh, and they're going to be very expensive. So uh, the the trick is there's loads of places that do more general general warranties, either for individual appliances or for whole groups of appliances, and it's worth shopping around or speaking to your insurance broker or somebody like that to try and find the best deal.
0: Mm-hmm. Our Brendan uh, – our Brendan – our friend – Brendan. <laughs> let's, let's start calling him our <coughs> – He's our Brendan. Uh, he sent another uh, uh, great feedback. Now there's some links that obviously we're not going to talk about the links themselves, <coughs> but his email, excuse me, is uh, as always uh, brilliant.
1: Yeah, he says uh, he sends us a link to um, medical equipment, a uh, basically a heart proce- uh, during a heart procedure there was a piece of medical equipment that was uh, looking off the anesthesia and it crashed because of a virus scan on the computer uh, during a heart procedure. And uh, fortunately, the patient was okay. But he says, why such life-critical equipment was networked instead of running on a dedicated machine is mind-boggling. So, um, again, and then he puts a link as well to beware the Internet of Things, which is uh, a a lot of people are saying that the problem with the Internet of Things, as we talked about last week, is... The manufacturers doing this stuff just don't think about security because it costs money, and they're looking at their profit margin.
0: It doesn't always he make says, sense for things to be connected, and no. I think that's kind of what the, the point he's getting to here is: wh- unless there's an actual critical or a good reason to network these appliances, whether it's a stove or a heart monitor or lights in surgery, they should just be on their. There should be no network for them.
1: Yeah, I, I think I think the, the 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 heart the the heart monitor thing was uh, it was a piece of software that was running a piece of equipment, and the piece of software was just loaded on a standard PC. Now, you could argue that it shouldn't be done like that. That the and apparently the manufacturer made recommendations that said you shouldn't just load it on a, on anybody's PC. But that's kind of how they architected the system. So um, allowing them to do that and just putting a, a note in the manual saying don't do the obvious thing because you might have a problem is right. is not such a great idea. And the issue is, I mean, famously, um, Apple used to put in its terms and conditions that you should not use your, your Mac to help run a nuclear power plant yep. uh, because it wasn't warranted for that. It wasn't built for that. <laughs> That's exactly the point. Consumer operating systems and consumer computers are not built with the availability and reliability standards that are needed for critical applications where somebody's life might be at risk or where safety is a problem. Yep. Um, and so you shouldn't use them in that circumstance. So unfortunately, again, manufacturers like to save money. So if they can write a piece of software that runs on a PC rather than building a dedicated hardware controller um, and save some money and make more, mar- more profit margin on that, then they'll often take that, that choice to do that. Um, Brendan always says, when it comes to computerized smart cars, well, happily, I do not own a car. But if I did, I'd rather stick with key operated locks and mechanical connections to the wheels and engine instead of computer connections. Um, Yeah, I'd say that's uh, you have to buy quite an old car to get a car like that nowadays, Brendan. Unfortunately, they're all... Effectively fly by wire nowadays. There's so much computing in, in even a standard car, let alone a Google self-driving one. But he says, as for self-driving cars, that over-optimistic hope will be killed off by insurance companies because of the liability and regulatory issues. As uh, always, the biggest winners will be lawyers. Well, I don't know. Lawyers win pretty big from human-controlled cars. So, uh, and one, of the, one of the... Excuse the pun, but the drivers behind driverless cars is the fact that uh, in many circumstances they're a lot safer than human drivers because they don't get distracted <laughs> especially if you if see some of the
0: drivers around where yeah, i live
1: they don't feel the need to check their text messages instead of keeping their eyes on the road um, they don't fiddle with the radio they don't turn around to deal with the screaming kids in the back um, they don't drink they don't take drugs they don't drive tired um and there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of feeling that actually driverless cars—if if all the cars on the road are driverless—then actually be a lot safer than uh, than today. And so maybe the lawyers will better lose out. I certainly know that the insurance industry—I know from having had a rice off accident recently—and I'm still getting calls on a daily basis from lawyers, basically trying to talk me into making medical claims. Yeah. You know. So um, hopefully that would go away if driverless cars were there. Uh, who knows?
0: So we, uh, uh, we also had one from, uh, it's at the very top, and I kind of missed it, from John Nemo. Yeah. And he wrote, Glad OWC is your sponsor. My 2012 Retina MacBook Pro 15 is almost full. 500 gig SSD. What to do? Not in the same year range you recommend for the one terabyte SSD, correct? Replace? Suffer? Uh, other suggestions? Thanks, David and Tim. Uh, and I sent Nemo... A link to a product for uh, what he needs. Now, last week we were talking about the aura that for the mid 2013 and newer MacBook Pros and MacBook Airs that have that little chip, and the chip itself is the SSD. Well, OWC is the first and only company you can get an SSD replacement for that. For older machines like mine and like uh, Nemo's, you have an actual standard sized hard drive in there. And for that, uh ODBC has the uh and it's the, actually it's exactly the one I have in my machine the ODBC 1 terabyte uh Mercury Electra SSD uh yeah. it's 329 and mm-hmm. you know Nemo was talking about does he send it to ODBC cuz he's kind of worried about replacing it himself it's a really simple process in your machine John uh literally there's a couple different places online that you can watch step by step video to replace your SSD inside your machine. But trust me, it's not difficult at all. Yes,
1: yeah. ten minute job. The hardest part's going to be migrating the data after you've done it.
0: Yep. Yeah. Mike, um, speaking of my computer, it's starting to make a little bit of noise because it's starting to get warm. So I will also put a link into uh, that hard drive <coughs> <laughs> for anybody that has an older machine. That is looking to upgrade. And look, if you've got a standard hard drive in your older laptop, seriously, put an SSD in there. I, I'm yeah. not even kidding. It's, it's night and day. Um, and we encourage everybody to send us feedback. Uh, the show at techfanpodcast.com. And like I said earlier, anywhere we post our show notes or on Facebook or on Twitter, you can hit us up there as well, and uh, we'll read it. Right here, David, we're way behind on our list. We've only got about 20 minutes to go, so we're going to accelerate it a little bit. But number 39 was the Apple iBook, which there was laptops before. This was the first one with Wi-Fi, but it's not like Apple introduced Wi-Fi and everyone went, Eureka, Wi-Fi in a laptop. That makes sense. You don't have to have it plugged in. Of course this was coming. This This is a dumb inclusion, and it shouldn't be here. It should be the iMac, if anything.
1: Oh, well, yeah, I would say the iMac was certainly a lot more influential. Um, if you were looking at the laptops, I would suggest that the Titanium PowerBook, which, was, um, which came out around about the same time, um, was probably much more influential because, hey... They laptop, still look most, the same. Most laptops today still look like that laptop. And nothing <laughs> looks like that iBook, the, the toilet
0: seat Barbie purse iBook. I mean, I liked it personally, but you either liked it or hated it. There was no in-between.
1: But definitely the iMac, um, because you know what? Much
0: more go influential. Look, go
1: out, go out and look at um, desktop computers today. They're all they like all look IMAX. like
0: iMacs. Yeah, they've
1: all got a built screen.
0: Yeah. Number thirty six is the Palm Pilot. I would agree with that. That yeah, it, it really ushered in yeah. the and, and it wasn't even the first. I mean, Apple had that market before Palm got there, but it was Palm with Palm, the Palm Pilot Palm
1: was a mass market, and and Palm brought things that that really uh, the iPhone came to rely on later on. The idea of as soon as you connect a cable, the thing automatically syncing your data. Um, the idea of a full of a full touchscreen without a keyboard. I mean, really, the, the Palm Pilot, it set the agenda for PDAs, and PDAs were what set the agenda for the iPhone. Yep. It's just the iPhone did it all a lot better. But uh, Palm Pilot really was the first.
0: Number 32 is the Wii from Nintendo. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I mean, it sold a ton, and they all became dust magnets. Uh, people yeah. would play the bowling game, maybe a Mario game or two, and that was about it. Um, influential? Yeah, I don't know.
1: I, I guess. I guess it made gaming more mainstream for people who didn't normally game. Um, and I, 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 I would say
0: that. Yeah, I would yeah, agree.
1: I, 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 I would. I suspect that because it's. It's video games to people like that who probably never played a game before. Those probably are people who nowadays would be happy to play a game on a on a smartphone or a tablet, uh, and it could be the first game they ever played was on a Wii, and it just made them more comfortable with it. Um, it so, right above
0: it on the list is the original Sony PlayStation. I would definitely say that's that should be on the list. But again, yeah. it, it didn't really... Was it innovative? Was it one of the most influential? I don't know. It was a natural progression. I mean, yeah.
1: yeah before I, I don't this know.
0: PlayStation came out, they knew that companies were going to start putting games on disk. They were already doing that with computers. Um, and each generation of gaming platform was going to be more powerful than the, the next. So, yeah,
1: I, I, yeah. I think that the difference is that there's a couple of things that I think warrants the PlayStation inclusion. I mean, you say, oh, they were moving to disks. It really wasn't until Sony pulled it off that, that actually that became a thing. Um, until then, everybody was desperately sticking to the cartridge formats because it gave them more control. Sony was the first company to say, well, actually, you can retain some level of control, um, and, and look, you can make the machines much more cheaply and the games much more cheaply. So I would say that you know, they deserve credit for that. And secondly, you've got to remember, Sony came to this market cold. That's true, and they put they you know they hit a home run that they're still running on <coughs> today. PlayStation as a brand is what's still keeping Sony afloat. PlayStation,
0: so- PlayStation Two, and PlayStation Four have been massive hits for Sony. Not so much the PlayStation Three, although I really like the console. It was their one wasn't great. Yeah, um, yeah and, and let's be honest, David, it's the PlayStation that's making Sony profitable right now.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Number thirty, this is a big one. In nineteen ninety six, Toshiba launched the first consumer DVD player. That was the, the SD three thousand was huge.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Um but again, DVD players were coming. So it wasn't like wow we never thought about putting movies on these discs before. Of course they had. But this was the one that made it to market, it sold a ton. Um, but still I mean w- was it that influential number 30 I would put it farther down on the list than that
1: yeah again it's hard to pick one particular DVD player and claim that that particular one was influential it was really more the format um, that, that that was the influencer yeah. um, and again it's kind of it's slowly being left behind but it has legs I mean people still are wedded to their optical discs
0: number 29 is the TiVo that's huge yeah. Um, for obvious reasons. We don't even need to get into it, but the TiVo came out in ninety nine.
1: Yeah, it took a long time to get going. It did video recorders.
0: But um I mean TiVo really was,
1: was on the knife edge for a while.
0: Yep. yep. Number twenty eight, the Amazon Kindle. <coughs> Not the first e reader. Nope. But the first one to kind of incorporate their own ecosystem. You can buy the books right on the device through Amazon. It was affordable. It was easy yeah, to read. I,
1: you know what? It wasn't even that because you could do that. I had a Sony uh, e-ink e-reader, um, the the one, the thing that kind of it was it was like kind of like the Kindle before the Kindle came along, and it had exactly the same features, including the uh, the ability to buy books direct through Sony. The the, the the reason that Amazon's Kindle was so successful was because it came from Amazon. Mm-hmm. It was the whole ecosystem that was the real influencer. It wasn't the device itself. No. Um, and, and that's the reason that it's become so successful and I, I would give them this I mean certainly you know the idea of reading books on Kindle um, and, and it's almost it's almost like become a, a verb. <coughs> so, you know I'm gonna uh, when they talk about an e-reader they're mostly talking about Kindle and everyone else has kind of died away
0: number 25 the iPad from Apple Um, you know when <laughs> I remember well, it was you know six years ago of course I remember I remember doing an episode of OWC radio uh, version one. When I first got my iPad, I got it at launch and I thought, yeah, it's just going to be a bigger version of the iPhone. And I already got an iPhone. So, and I got a Mac, so I don't know where this is really going to fit in. It's been huge for me personally. Uh, I know Apple's not selling as many iPads. And I think the problem with, Apple not selling as many iPads as people who wanted one has one, and it's so good, you, unless you break it, there's really no need to go buy a new one. You, you yeah, can I'm, go three or four years with an iPad before you really feel like, eh, I need to replace this.
1: Even, even longer than that, depending on what you're using it for. I mean, I, I, I was uh, on the way back from London yesterday on the train. I saw somebody using an iPad, too. Um, and uh, it was working fine. It was doing what they wanted it to do. Um, and they were obviously loving the fact that they had something that was, you know, um, five, six years old, and uh, and that's fine. You know what? A, a lot of people dump on the iPad because of its sales performance and everything, but I read an interesting stat last week when the Apple's results came out that said that basically uh, iPads sell every year something like um, five or six times what the largest year for the iPod ever was. Yeah. So this is, you know... It, it, Growth and, and sales and all that sort of thing are fine, but this is a massive business for Apple, and it's far bigger than their flagship product, the, the product that kind of made them really after the Mac, which is the iPod. So um, you know, don't don't be too worried about for the iPad. It's I think it's doing just fine at the moment. Um, and, I, and and in my house, yeah, it is the principal computer that most of us in the house use. My son's wedded to his MacBook laptop because he's a big Minecraft user, but my wife and I, I'm sat in front of this iMac here, and really. We use it once or twice a week, every. whereas we're using the iPads every night all the time.
0: In uh, 2000, Bill Clinton made a decision that really changed a lot of things. And it opened up an entire new product category, which is still alive today, but is being replaced simply by the functionality of your phone.
1: Yeah.
0: And at number 22 is the TomTom GPS. Yeah. The first time, commercially, you could buy a consumer product that would give you GPS functionality, it's changed so much. And, of course, nobody has a a standalone GPS anymore that they use. It's just your phone now. But for many years. I remember when I got my first Garmin unit. Oh, my God, it was
1: so great. I I mean, it's almost the point now where, um, you know, it's very unusual for people to get lost, (coughs) unless unless they're slavishly following the GPS and not actually looking around where they are. But the facilities are basically <laughs> where you are and find not find not only a map of your area but also pinpointing yourself on it is is huge. Now I had a, a handheld GPS unit I used for hiking before they turned off selective availability, which was the system that kind of spoofed the signal and made it less precise. And it was rough. Yeah. It was really rough. It put you within a hundred meter circle right. where you and you could watch it move as it randomly uh, thing. And I remember during the Gulf War, it was great because they turned it off. Yep. And the reason they turned it off was because um, out in uh, Kuwait, the there wasn't enough military units to go around. The military units had a special uh, chip in them that allowed them to ignore the selective availability. So people were going down to um, were going down to uh, stores in Saudi Arabia and they were buying commercial units and so and put them in the tanks. So they, the military had to turn the ability off so that those things would work. Um, and it was at that point that they realized that kind of spoofing it was uh, kind of a silly thing to do. And, and yeah, the world has changed as a, as a result.
0: Number 16 is the Nintendo Game Boy. I would agree with that. And I yeah. would definitely put it in the top. I was never a Game Boy fan. Um, but handheld video gaming that you could change cartridge and stuff, and it wasn't just a little blinky red LED like I had the little football games back in the late 70s. It it was a game changer, as well as, number 15, the Nintendo Entertainment System, NES, which, let's be honest, rescued the video game industry. It had died. Atari had killed it dead. And the NES, two years later, brought it back. And we are where we are because of that.
1: Another um, another fine example of um, a market dying, and then the Japanese coming up and sweeping up the uh, sweeping up the uh, the clippings and turning it into something that's uh, that allows them to dominate.
0: Yep. Uh, number fourteen, the U.S. Robotics Sportster fifty-six K modem. I had one of these. Yeah, me too. Ugh. It, it, it. Yes, we had modems before; they were much slower, but this fifty-six K modem compared to today would just be mind bogglingly slow and you'd shoot yourself. However, when this came out, uh, it was, it was affordable. It was 10 times faster than what you had before. Uh, it was reliable. It was fantastic.
1: Not only that, I think one of the things that made the, made the, uh, the sports so popular was because it, it didn't look intimidating, right? It, you know, it, it kind of had a much more softer, friendly face. Whereas, the Hayes modems were always like big black and silver metal boxes with um, kind of weirdly marked red lights flashing on the front. And uh, they were big and they were bulky and they looked like, you know, uh, well, as they pretty much were, they looked like business pieces of equipment. Whereas the uh, the sports there really was, you know, it was something you could buy in a store and hook up yourself.
0: Yep. Number 13, the Atari 2600. I mean, it ushered in home video gaming. So we don't, I yep. I, I own a couple of those still. Uh, the f- number twelve, the Philips N fifteen hundred VCR in nineteen seventy two. We don't. Do we really need to get into why that's such a a big deal? I mean, yeah, <laughs> it but is it was, the VCR? I mean,
1: yeah, but this this wasn't. I, you see, again, I I would I would not go for this one. I wouldn't
0: uh, I would either. Say
1: the I would say VHS was the the game changer. Because,
0: yes, but that's so, a platform.
1: Well, yeah, I know, but the thing, the first VHS um. V- uh, VCRs were the important ones. It wasn't the stuff that came before. It wasn't Betamax. It was this. It was the v- VHS one that turned it into the influencer. It was. We had an old. It wasn't this one, but we had an old Philips um, VCR at home that that I, my parents must have bought. God, we I mean, must have been about 9, 77. and we had a library of stuff we'd recorded off the TV for it. But the thing is, what what made the VCR different was, was when you could rent movies on it. And you couldn't do that until VHS came.
0: Yep. And that was the 80s. Yeah. I remember yeah. renting movies and it was... I remember uh, the first person that I knew had a VCR, Charlie Danick. And uh, we would ride bikes over to this local video store. And they were everywhere. Yeah. And I remember we rented uh, the first Rambo... No, the first two Rambo movies. And it kind of well the first one's not bad but the second one's uh but i remember just the joy of being able to rent a movie go back to his house and watch them it was amazing just amazing yeah. number 9 the apple ipod you know it wasn't the first mp3 player but it was the first commercially successful one that let's be honest changed everything
1: well just in the same way we were talking about the kindle before um the real game-changer here wasn't the, as much the device itself, though, let's face it, the, uh, as, a, as a, a masterpiece of user interface design, the iPod really is there, particularly as, as you know, history now proves us that it was put together so quickly. Um, it really is something else, because anybody could pick it up and figure out how to use it. But it was the fact that there was a whole... Um, there was a whole ecosystem behind it, which made it really simple to use. And I remember the iPod when it first came out—you <coughs> had to have FireWire, you had to have a Mac, you couldn't use it on a Windows PC. You had to have it formatted a certain way. It didn't hold that many songs. Um, you know, it was limited, and yet it really took off be- because of that integration with the uh, with the iTunes Store. But
0: going and, farther back, you know, number four on the list is the Sony Walkman. Yeah, uh, I, you know. I don't remember exactly when the Walkman came out. I just remember all of a sudden everybody had, not necessarily a Walkman. I mean, they made (laughs) millions of these things, not just from Sony, but from everybody. They were, that's how you listen to your music. You weren't stuck with just listening to the top 40 or. And the headphones were pretty crappy and blah, blah, blah. But man, it was your music on cassette.
1: I, well, not that your music went with you wherever you went, rather than you being exactly. tied to the hi-fi yep. um, or to the stereo, or even you know. I mean, remember before the Walkman came along, uh, people used to walk around with kind of big, uh, big stereo systems, kind of running on big batteries on their shoulder, because that was the only way you could listen to music when you were walking around. And I, then all of a sudden, it became your music, and you could do it without bothering anybody
0: else. I remember I have a very fond memory of a very cold, dark winter day. Um, It's probably January, something. Uh, Probably 1983, I'm going to say, maybe 84. It was one of those two years. With my, I'm going to say Walkman, but it wasn't a Sony product. Listening to Van Halen's 1984 album, trudging through nasty, wintry weather, and it's dark, and it's quiet because nobody was outside really going over to where my girlfriend was because she was babysitting and it was about 10 blocks away and I felt like I was all by myself in this eerily quiet heavy snow it's it's coming down but yet I'm listening to Van Halen Mm. In, I just have that strong memory and it was fantastic I loved it it was so cool
1: I, I was in my own of, little world. Yeah, I think the thing about the Walkman, what it let you do is we'd all see movies <coughs> where, you know, a particular scene in the movie would be accompanied by music. And, you know, the music would influence how you felt about the scene. Yeah. Uh, and all of a sudden, the Walkman let you do that with yeah. your real life. You, you, had, yeah. you
0: had your own personal soundtrack. Yeah. Absolutely. Number three is the Apple Macintosh. Uh, never heard of it. No, it's something. <laughs> it. Number two is the uh, Sony Trinitron. Mm. That's up there, man.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm I I th- I think influential, maybe in the TV industry. I don't know. Um, I think you ask a lot of people what a Trinitron is, they'll have no idea.
0: Mm, it depends on the age. I mean, if it's our age or older, if someone says, "Do you know what a Trinitron is?" I'd be like, "Yeah, Sony." But well, maybe, maybe. you know, it came out in '68, and uh, let's be honest, by the time we were aware of anything, it was probably '77. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? So, a little bit before our time. Uh, but let's move on to the number one most influential product that Time Magazine's writers and editors and blah, blah, blah said in their half-hour meeting when they made this list. <laughs> the Apple iPhone.
1: Yeah, and this one I can't disagree with. I don't the know. It, I, I'm,
0: I'm torn. Is yeah. is the iPhone the most influential Ah, oh, gadget abs- of all
1: Absolutely. time! Absolutely, oh no, I I, can't, I must disagree with you. G- g- even I said, I said, I don't know. So give me the reasons
0: why it is so the most influential. Are, it was
1: the first. If you look at what the way people live their lives today, so um, effectively being connected to the internet all the time in your pocket, yeah, that came from the iPhone. Before that, that didn't happen. Brow- being able to browse the web in your pocket. Before the iPhone came along, you you. You were doing kind of weird little, odd protocols and um, maybe little tech sites and stuff like that. All of a sudden, you had the real internet in your pocket. Yeah, always having a, a camera with you that allowed you to take your photos and see your photos wherever you were. Um, having something that was a that was a decent text messenger that didn't require you to use you know the kind of weird three three key button. Combos to actually type. Uh, you remember when everyone, when all the kids learnt, knew how to type really quickly using those multiple button presses? Yep. You know, when you uh, IJK five or whatever it was, um, to be able to type, you know, it allowed anybody to type. Uh, an inter- interface that um, you know combined. The, I mean, it was the famous presentation from uh, from Steve Jobs that conf- that you were there for that combined a, an, an iPod a web browser, and a phone, all in one device. Yeah, it brought all that stuff together. It took the best of what Apple was doing at the time and brought it into one device. And remember, before the iPhone, touch interfaces were horrible. Yeah, they were. Yeah? They didn't work properly. You normally needed a stylus. And all of a sudden, Apple came out with something that was basically looked like a blank sheet of black glass, and then it lit up. Yeah?
0: The ability to scroll was... I remember sitting there in that audience when, when Steve Jobs was introducing this product and watching him scroll a web page with just his finger was mind-blowingly awesome. Yeah.
1: But, but, and, and to take all I, of that and puts something <coughs> that brings all that together and it's actually it's a powerful computer. Yeah. It can I, run software.
0: I can't argue yeah. with it, but it just seems to me that, I don't know, it's such a relatively new product still in the history of gadgets. For that to be the number one It just seems like there should be something else that should be over and above that. We're we're still too close. We're not even 10 years yet from when this product was introduced for it to be the number one product. But yet, was anything, not necessarily the iPhone, but what it inspired, all the Android copycats and all that, was anything more influential in such a short amount of time and had an effect on a worldwide basis? No, there's really Mm -hmm. nothing. There's really nothing. So thanks to Sony for their uh, for their list. gave us something to talk about this week. Not that we ever have a problem, but uh, I, I saw this and it seemed interesting to me. Uh, what do you think? Is there anything on this list that you would have put on there that isn't? Uh, I'll put a link into this list. Take a look at it. And if there's something completely missing that's obvious, let us know. We'll talk about yeah, it here on I, the show. I,
1: I thought I was surprised that the cordless phone wasn't on there. Um, the digital watch, uh, the infrared TV remote are three things that I think have been I think culturally
0: I I would agree with all three of those. I, I yeah. totally would agree. Yeah. The digital yeah. watch, obvious. Um, cordless phones were, when they first came out, oh my God, it was not being tethered yeah. to a telephone. I mean,
1: I, it was the first time you really <coughs> felt that. You- you were in control of the gadget. You on the gadget. Was in control of you.
0: The only thing I miss is that game we all played, whereas, you know, that, that corded phone cord, we'd kind of do our finger around it and kind of mummify <laughs> yeah. our fingers and then go backwards yeah. and then go forward. And then you get that one kink where somehow through some magical power, it wound it the incorrect way and you can never get that one incorrect loop back the way it was. And
1: That's right, yeah. It,
0: remember the early ones had the... the, uh, the the pull-out metal antenna. Yeah. Oh, I remember breaking ours. Oh, I got in so much trouble.
1: Oh yeah, and if you if you broke that antenna, then that turned it to. I mean, you basically you made yourself a shank right there. I mean, it was a lethal
0: weapon. It was, and I remember my dad and I went to Radio Shack because we were going to buy a new one, and they had this new product for nineteen ninety nine. It was a. Rubber antenna with a screw on it that you could put over the existing antenna and then screw this thing down. But you had to have like at least a little nub of your antenna left, and we did. All oh, right. Yeah. We did because I broke it. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> and and then you'd use your chest when you kind of close that antenna, fold it back in. Remember? You would turn it. Oh, going, that's S- right. S- yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. uh, good days. Good day. And the remote. I mean, we we still use an infrared remote every day.
1: Well, no, yeah, but, I, I mean, I, the thing is, is, I mean, we're old enough that we can remember what was life before some of these things, and, you know, I, I mean, I remember the, probably one of the earliest VHS recorders we had actually had a wired remote. Oh, so I anytime remember you, yeah, anytime you wanted to control the VCR, you put, and it had a big honking jack on it, it was like a big 8-pin DIN or something like that, that I seem to remember had a metal screw on it, you actually screwed and tied it in um, and then you'd have this big thick cable running over the floor to, to wherever you were sat. it was crazy, it, it was crazy you know,
0: they do have an answering machine on here, so anybody's wondering about that, Blackberry is on here uh, there's a lot of things, Polaroid cameras that we didn't discuss, but go take a look at the list, it's interesting it's a fun, quick read, you'll be done with it in 10 minutes to be honest um, but again, thanks to time and thanks to you for listening to this episode of Tech Fan. We'd love your feedback. We'd love it if you go visit our sponsor, follow a link from one of the websites and we will see you in a week. See you later, David.
1: Bye. Bye.